Welcome to episode 74 of the Black and Fashion Podcast. Today I am joined by another fellow uh, podcaster by the name of Karina. Karina is the curator and creator of the Black Fash Podcast. So thank you so much, Karina, for joining me today on this collaboration. Yeah, I'm so excited about it. I'm so yeah. happy to be here. Right, I'm happy. I know that we had said a couple things via uh, like Instagram a few times. But I'm like, we just got to do it. Like, I just feel like we just know, it's, right? it's, it needs <laughs> to be just that. done. Like, we just got to go for it. <laughs> so I just want to, you know, learn a little bit more about you. But before I get there, I just want to make sure I acknowledge our sponsors for the episode. Of course, the Black and Fashion Podcast uh, definitely promotes and gives ads to black businesses. <laughs> so our first sponsor is Sunny D Travel. You must join the Sunny D Travel Vacation Club and save for your dream vacation um, or any vacation with ease um, with various perks and personal consultations. Each trip will truly be a vacation to remember. The Sunny D Travel Club Vacation Club is the only vacation club that helps you travel the world when you're ready. You work, you save, you travel. Of course, we also have our second sponsor, which is the Elite Candle Club. Everything is 100% natural, handcrafted in Brooklyn with all essential oiled infused soy you actually can see that right in front of me i actually have the island breeze hand pork candle with me today is aroma is a robust explosion of tropical fruits and rum orange apple pineapple coconut and rum and vanilla this is the one i actually keep in my bedroom um i love the smell of this and even when it's blown out it continues to just like a roar throughout the entire room so i like to start with a little icebreaker karina um it's called of course this or that it's a pretty common one so for you are you a mule or a wedge girl Mule. Um, are you a fedora or a beret girl? Um, listen, I have a fro that really doesn't fit in anything, okay? So, <laughs> I, I, will go, I will go with a beret just so I can put it to the side. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, are you side boob or under boob? <laughs> I'm going to go with side boob. I'm going to go with side boob. Gotcha. I'm going to go side boob. Skinny leg or flare leg? Ooh, I know uh, <laughs> that's the one. <laughs> um, I'm gonna say flair because it gives me the drama that I need. Gotcha. All right. So our first segment of the podcast, um, and this segment is sponsored by Mian Official. I'm actually wearing her shirt today. It's called the Black and Unbothered Tea. I love the feel of it. I feel black and I feel unbothered. And I've been getting compliments all day today because it's a whole mood over here. I love it. I love the brand. And I think it's an amazing fit and amazing message to be black and unbothered. So the first segment, I just want to learn a little bit about it's your history. Um, uh, what got you into even starting the Black Fash podcast? What does your background look like? Like, where did you grow up? So I just want to learn a little bit about yourself, Karina. Um, so I'm originally from Kentucky. And I went to school in Florida, and I came to Georgia for college. And um, I had already, I have always really liked fashion and wanted to have a career in it. But um, I didn't decide to pursue it until I went to SCAD at the Atlanta base and then um, I became a fashion designer and I was designing and then um, after that I started my own um, I started my own fabric store and oh, then um, yeah so I own a fabric store too and then um, 
after that, I was doing tailoring in the industry. And um, I really started Black Sash. It was like a passion project. Um, I really started it because everybody kept coming to me for like advice and they would ask me all of these questions. And I was just, I would be talking to like people in the industry and I would talk to my friends and my peers. And it just got to a point where I was like, okay, there's information that I know that everybody should know. Like we shouldn't, you shouldn't have to pay all this money to go to school to know the information that I know. I know, um, period. So I was just like, um, I just wanted to give all the information I knew to anybody just because everybody already knew they can come to me with all their questions. Like I had people like in Florida that would hit me up and be like, hey, I'm starting a brand. What does it look like? What should I do? And I would just give them the information. So I was like, you know what? I'll just start a podcast and I'll give everybody the information. Gotcha. That sounds so similar to basically what I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, information. Yeah, literally, it was just like people always coming to me asking questions, and you know, I'm already serving as like a teacher to and mentor to everyone. Like, why not just put it out there for everyone to get to receive? So exactly. that, you know, without having to go through, you know, like me, I got eighty thousand dollars worth of student loans, and I, um, I was just like, I just want to be able to spread information and then also tell you things that fashion school doesn't tell you because I worked in the industry for a long time too, um, mm-hmm. and now. I run my own business. I own LC Apparel Consulting, and we create clothing lines for people and stuff. So that was like my mm. thing, like being able to put things out there that fashion school don't teach you. Yes, because there's a lot of stuff that you don't learn that not even because that's the thing. There's a lot of stuff that like they don't necessarily prepare you for as soon as you leave, especially being as a black woman or just being like a black man or being person of color in general. There's mm-hmm. certain things that they don't tell you that you need to be prepared for. That I just I see a lot of people don't know. Gotcha. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you feel like that SCAD uh, definitely versed you more in design or more in the business side? Or a little bit of both? Um. Okay. So one thing I can say about, of course, it always depends on what fashion school you go to. Mm-hmm. But I can say SCAD in particular. SCAD was really good at placing you at jobs. So... Mm-hmm. It was definitely a thing where you, if you did what they told you to do, if you did the Senate third, you could funnel your way into working somewhere else. The issue to me with that was that it didn't really, and this is maybe maybe it's like the Atlanta campus, it didn't really provide or um, push you toward the artistic way. So if you don't want to work for anybody, what does that look like? If you don't just want to like, because I have friends that like work at like Nike and bcbg and they work at all these big companies but if you don't want to do tech packs your whole life if that's not what you want to do then it doesn't necessarily prepare you for that side of it whereas like a school like parsons i would say a parsons is definitely a more of a creative school Mm -hmm. like it's definitely more of a school where it pushes you creatively and how you design and all of that stuff versus um, a school that more, that more so funnels you into a job. So if that's what you want, that's what you want. It just depends. True. Yeah. I've um, had a couple interns from SCAD. You can still hear me, right? Mm. Yeah, I've had a couple interns from yeah. SCAD. Um, I've had interns from Parsons, FIT, and then um, the bulk of my staff now, I have two Pratt girl. Well, I used to have two. I have one Pratt girl. I have two FITs. Um, I think I got one that went to 
uh, just like a, a fashion business program somewhere, but I can definitely tell the differences in like their skill levels, um, just mm. over, and then even like just working in the industry and the people and my coworkers around me, like the differences between all the different schools and what they teach. Um, I went to Columbia College, Chicago, um, mm. and it's a private art school, of course, in Chicago, but I feel like my curriculum was the fucking bomb. Oh, yeah, like I really, I really do because, like, I but also I took it upon myself to take electives in fashion business. So I learned a lot about merchandise management and product evaluation and um, marketing and all that other stuff. Because instead of taking like elective, could have been like I could have took jewelry making or like hat making. I just never did that. I just always took my electives in the fashion business side. So and then like we had a very very intense process. I feel like a lot of people don't know how to pattern make. It's too many fashion designers. They don't know how to make patterns. Uh-huh. And to me, that is like yeah. the freaking core of creating yes, garments. You have to learn how to pattern make. Yeah. I, um, when I talk to people, they don't know how to pattern make either. I'm like, babe, I got to teach you. Like, you got, you, like, you have to learn how to pattern make. Yeah, like, that's a ridiculous. Like, I don't understand how you spent that much money on education and you don't know how to pattern make. Like, I just thought that was just insane to me. In Columbia, we did. We got pattern one, pattern two, pattern three. Like, you take pattern making mm-hmm. all four years. You take sewing all four years because your sewing level changes and different stuff. So, like, I took sewing four years straight. I took pattern making four years straight. I took draping four years straight. Like, there's there's yeah. one to four of all of them in, as your skill level advances. So, when I come into people who went to FIT or Parsons or even um, AI and they don't know how to pattern make, I'm just like, how, sis? Like, I don't get it. <laughs> Well, and that's the thing, like some of those schools, I can say like some of those schools are more. So that's what I meant by like they push like the artistic side. Mm-hmm. So I know some of those schools from people that I know that went there. It was more so they had people sewing for them. So it was like you create, you do what you need to do. And other people were sewing for you versus like when I was at SCAD, like you had to learn everything. Like there was no, it's the Atlanta campus. There was no, like, somebody making it for you. Like, there's none of that. Like, you're up all night making all of your stuff yourself. Mm-hmm. And to your point of um, taking the business classes, when I was at, um, I went to Georgia Southern before I went to SCAD, and I was um, fashion marketing. Mm-hmm. So I completely understand from the standpoint of, like, you have to understand the business side of it. Like, it's super great to be creative. I'm all here for us being creative and pushing ourselves but we definitely have to learn the opposite side of like now you have the product how exactly are you going to push it or should you even have made the product to begin with so yeah i definitely agree with that yeah for sure but my um are you familiar with my company have you heard of lc apparel consulting no i haven't yeah oh yeah you definitely gotta check it out you can follow us on ig lc underscore apparel consulting we are a um product development and production manufacturing business. And we also offer mentorship packages, um, courses, and um, mentorship packages, courses, and training. So um, I created services like for people who, like mostly adult learning, for people who uh, need to take a pattern making class, but also like it's more catered to what they want to do. So like you bring your thing with you. Like, so if you bring a sketch, I'm going to teach you how to make the pattern for that that swimsuit or that coat or you know whatever it is and then you could do a double package where you can do like pattern making draping and sewing or just pattern making and sewing uh, so I have all those and then I have tech pack development courses production logistics courses and design development courses too so I went like to go that extra mile or whatever to make sure that people are given the education and then I provide the services so if you just want to be a creator and you actually don't have any of those things or even interested in like doing any of those things we offer uh, services where we can cre- create your whole clothing line and bring it to life for you 
That's great. That's yeah. great. I'm always looking for uh, people are always asking me for manufacturers, and I know a couple of them here. But now I will definitely add you to my list. Definitely. I will definitely add you for to sure. List. I'm going to have to follow you for my LC page, too, for sure. So, um, how, what has your uh, experiences been like in the fashion industry? Like, most of your you know jobs or in any fields, like, have you been like the only black girl, or how has it been, or like, you know, what experiences have you had that have shaped your, you know, your views? It's been so, I think for me, it's been, so I'm in Atlanta. That's the first thing. I'm in Atlanta. So everything pretty much here is black. So there's True. there's <laughs> only certain times where I'm the only black person in the room. The thing about it is it's operating in these white spaces. That's where it gets a little, that's where it gets a little difficult. But um, so when I, cause I've done a couple commercials, I've done, uh, I've worked on shows down here before and if the team is okay, the team is okay. I've had a couple bad experiences working with um, being in white spaces, mm-hmm. and it's been bad. And like it's been bad, and it's been towards the point where I've definitely had to stand up for myself and speak out. And that's one of those situations where I'm a very, um, I guess I'm a very blunt person, is what you can say. Mm-hmm. So if we're on the team and I feel like stuff isn't going right or I feel like we're not being treated fairly, I'm the one that like steps out and it's like, okay, so here's what we're not going to do. You're not going to do this and you're not going to do this. Because at the end of the day, um, I always tell people that even though you have a job with them, you are your own boss. Like we're your, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, we are our own boss, period. So if when you were a manager at Nordstrom, I used to do that. When I was a manager at Nordstrom, you weren't talking to my employees crazy. So you're definitely not going to talk to me crazy now. So yes. it just gets to a point where even though we're definitely in these white spaces, you still have to stand up for yourself and you still have to speak out and it can't be in you can't be afraid of not having a job because that's what I've run into with a lot of people is like the connection or the relationship. And I've had to tell people, listen, if they're treating you this way, this way, you don't need this relationship. I promise you like all money is not good money. You don't need this headache. Cause there's even been um, some like celebrities that I've worked with and I've just been like, you know what? I'm good. The answer's no. Yeah. Like you definitely got to filter your clientele because get my piece of yeah. mind is not worth it. <laughs> It's not like it's sometimes it's just not worth it. I'm like, no, the answer is no. So it's just it's different in Atlanta because, like I said, I'm not the only black person in the room. And then when we are working in white spaces, I'm definitely the one that has to speak out. Like you're not gonna we're not gonna come on set and you do me any type of way. Mm-hmm. We're not gonna have it. Like, yeah, we're I hear not that. <laughs> definitely, definitely hear that. I found that. Well, I'm in New York. Uh, I moved here. Uh, about seven years. I moved here when I was 25. I just turned 32. Of course, my first job, you know, it took me a while to get a fashion job, like in corporate mm-hmm. fashion. In Chicago, my background was just similar to theirs. I was in retail management. I uh, managed uh, a retail, I managed a Banana Republic. I managed a Wet Seal, an Aldo, um, a Halston, and a, a Kira Chicago boutique. So by the time I was 22, I had already, I was already a store manager. And that's why mm-hmm. I feel like I wanted like more, which is why I was like, I want to go, go go to New York, get my master's in fashion management and merchandising, and then, you know, hop into the corporate side of fashion because I just felt like I didn't have nowhere to go in, in uh, Chicago. I was doing the management thing and I was making custom clothing on the side. So I was, you know, heavy in the prom time and like, you know, birthdays and stuff like that. But when I got here, 
they didn't want to pay me like and it's like I had to go back down to assistant level and I'm just like I've been a manager for the last four years like I'm not you know and then like the cost of living in New York is like double of that in Chicago so I'm not taking Mm -hmm. no low raise when I have a a degree and I have a lot of experience because I've been working in retail since I was 15 which is why I had to you know is even why I got the manager position like at such a young age Um, and I worked full time the whole time I was in college so I was like I wasn't letting down my experience for nothing I'm like I'm not taking these little ass salaries like this is you know hard um so I you know I end up taking a job where I worked for alterations and tailoring company but it wasn't like working in corporate fashion it was just like managing like an artillery room you know and doing like sales and bringing in accounts so it wasn't exactly what I wanted to do but it's all I had so crazy thing is I was over it I'm like I'm moving to Atlanta I'm gonna go to SCAD and get another (laughs) master's and that's where yeah. I was. So I hit up my teacher from um, high school. She's a Delta. Uh, and I asked her to write me like a recommendation letter. And she was like, you giving up on New York already? I'm like, yeah, anybody trying to hire me? And I'm just, you know, it's just been a struggle and, you know, hard for me to pay my bills. And she was like, um, why don't you go talk to my cousin? He owns a um, fashion uh, company or whatever. She's like, before you give up, just try. And she told me this previously, but I just, I'm just like, what, what fashion company he owns? I ain't never heard of him. Like, what, what does he do? But she could never really explain yeah. to me what he did. So I was like, is it even the avenue? And I just didn't follow up on it. So I finally followed up on him. He had a showroom in the city. Um, he also was from Chicago. When I got there, it was an outerwear and handbags showroom. He pretty much told me he didn't really have no money to pay me, but that he just wanted to help me out just to get my foot in the door. So yeah, And course. he gave me a job. So it's like I had to go through those measures to even get a job. So once I got that particular job, Um, He definitely taught me everything. You know, I got into the product development, the production stuff that I had, you know, went to school for and really learned about. But I really got a chance to like do it in the industry. And I did the sales and everything. And then I only ended up working there for about six months. And then he fixed my resume so that I could get a job, like a well-paying job. And that, but that was the only way it was going to happen because I literally had exhausted all my options, like. That literally is like I had to and I hate that it has to be it's not always what you know is who you know, but it's just like what about somebody who don't have that opportunity, you know? And I just feel bad. That's I was just literally what I was just about to say. Mm-hmm. Because um all of my jobs that I've gotten, it's literally been because somebody knew me. So, because when I got out of school, so when I left SCAD, when you talk about retail, I was a manager at Nordstrom for like ever. <laughs> I was like a manager and they wanted me to move up. And I'm just like, no, this is not what I want to do. So anytime they asked me, I was like, no, girl, I'm cool. And then that's when I started um, my fabric store. And I was like, you know what? Because what I can say is the, so I used to specialize in kids wear when I first got out. I used to, I used to specialize in kids wear. So I only made, I only made kids wear clothing for the most part. So everybody kept telling me, girl, apply to Carter's, apply to Carter's, apply to Carter's. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to apply to Carter's. And I kept on applying. I'm like, y'all, every time I get in this room, I will pass all of these stages. But as soon as they see me, they're like, no, nah, we're straight. Mm-hmm. We are good on you. And I was like, okay, well, that's fine. And it got to the point where um, I, always, I, I like to joke around. So before I called the podcast Black Fash, it was called Thoughts of a Rejected Fashionista. Oh, I like so that. I had that. I know I had that podcast beforehand and I had like this whole explanation. I'm like, there there comes to a point where you feel so rejected that you have no other choice but to either give up or create your own lane. Like those are your options. Like those are your options and you can either go or you can create your own lane. I was like, so when I left Nordstrom, I was like, you know what? I'm creating my own lane. I'm 
screw this, I'm doing what I want to do. And then that's when I got put on a lot of my jobs. So like the same thing where you're talking about, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Mm-hmm. That's the craziest thing because it's so, so true. And it's like, it's, I always, I tell everybody, um, just get me in the room. Like people are talking about, just get me in the room. I promise you, as soon as I get in the room, I'll do what I need to do just get me there yeah absolutely. Like, okay Karina that's fine I'm like yeah just get me there was one time um I really wanted this tailoring job I wanted it so bad and um I was talking to the designer and she was like well Karina I don't know I'm like shh just get me in the room <laughs> yeah, this I'm like, no, no just I'm like listen listen just listen to me just put me there and I promise you I'll show out and she was like, all right, Karina, whatever. And then she put me in. I was like, thank you. And then it, it worked out. But, yeah, it's definitely um, who you know. I completely agree definitely. with that. And that's why I feel like um, one thing I do do um, – uh, one thing I do do is actually – tell people like when they're working especially in my field like because i know i know a lot of people and then with the businesses i own the black affection podcast i have a black girls designer club non-for-profit i have my own clothing brand i make uh jackets and i make handbags and then i have the lc apparel so i have a lot of different connections and then sometimes people i feel like they burn bridges and i'm just like you know like don't and i when i i preached that i had a whole episode on that and just making sure that like in all situations you just never know the next person that can help you but also putting yourself in different rooms sometimes when you feel uncomfortable you might find people that you never even you know expected to talk to that can help you or know someone that can help you so you definitely want to do that like no that's a fact like it comes to a point where um I always say like every your reputation means so much like it means so much in this industry so anytime you do get on the room you do get in set you have to make sure you're representing yourself very well. Like, so even when I talk about being able to stand up for yourself, you still have to do that, but you have to do it in a way where it's very mean, nice, and it's very respectful. Mm-hmm. And your team has to want to work with you. There's nothing worse than working with somebody who's just not pleasant. Where I don't care how good you are, care how good you are. Mm-hmm. If you're just not a pleasant person to work with, nobody's going to rehire you again. True. That's absolutely right. What I found that in the industry in New York is like, it's it's so, the turnover is OD. And that's, and for myself, I've quit. I've gotten fired. Um, they have done layoffs. So I've done just about um, everything. Like I literally, like I said, I've only been here for seven, girl, seven years, girl. I've probably worked for about <laughs> 10 companies. <laughs> I've worked in handbags. I worked in lingerie. Girl, I worked in hosiery. I worked in socks. I worked in uh, sleep it, sleepwear. Like when I tell you, like I'm suiting, evening wear. Like I've worked in every oh, wow. asset of facet of this industry in product development and production because of the turnover. I've had terrible bosses. I've had you know unruly like hours. Like you expect for me to work like 60, 70 hours a week, and you only paying me eight hundred dollars. Like it's just like it was like crazy stuff with no benefits. Like I literally went in and out of so many companies until I started my own thing. And I've only been a full-time entrepreneur for one year. My business mm-hmm. definitely took off super duper fast. Um, and I'm in the process, like last year, January, it was just me. And now I have 10 employees. So I'm hey, like, that's lit. yeah, it, can, it happened really, really fast. It like literally happened so freaking fast for me. But I was just like, I always, entrepreneurship was always the goal. Cause every, like even from a kid, girl, I, my first uh, business, I used to make pillows, girl, in seventh grade. 
And then in oh, high school, wow. I was making shirts. <laughs> like I always had like a little side hustle with my job. So entrepreneurship was always the end goal. And I do think that like you made a great point about like just creating your own opportunities. Like I just feel like your mind and the way you process things like it's so full and you just have to sometimes unlock that creativity because mm -hmm. i started with one business and then i ended up with four all in the fashion realm but they are all different assets one is education one yeah. is services you know one is a brand one is media because technically this podcast is media one is not for profit but all i do is i keep expanding and spending and spending on basically what i'm passionate about and i love and just turn it into like a serial entrepreneur you know <laughs> Which is yeah, hard to do I, in New York, but I made it do what it do, sis. Like, <laughs> I know. I can hear it. I can hear it in your voice. I, I was like, it's been a hard road. <laughs> but because I was, because um, there's, so besides Black Fash, um, I have the the fabric store, and then I started doing color consulting, and then I used, I used to costume design too. And then um, I have my own like custom stuff where I make my own stuff. But um, I was talking to somebody about that, and I was like, listen, the thing about like being a serial entrepreneur is that it looks crazy from the outside looking in, but I promise you they're all connected. Like, like there's all some underlining theme that's like connected. So like, for example, like the fabric store is like a sustainable fabric store. So it's all secondhand fabric. So my whole point with that is that, okay, this is how you be sustainable at the designing stage. So this is what you do. So we take up, so I do like pickups at like, um, at like different shows and like different designers and all that type of stuff. And we usually just teach designers how, when they, when they're first starting to sew, what do you do and what does this look like explaining certain tools and procedures and stuff like that. And then you go to black fash and they may seem like two different things, but at the end of the day, the common thread is helping somebody. The mm -hmm. common thread is helping somebody through passion, through fashion, like, and then even color consulting. So, my whole thing is I've always cared about like color psychology and how color communicates with certain things. Mm, and I love for that. that it's, yes. And for that, it's like reaching out to people and like, okay, so this is your brand. This is the color scheme that works best for you. And that may seem really different than costume design. But if you like study costume design and like film and movies, which I still do, um, color plays a very, very, very important role of how, we all read into stuff. So um, right before coronavirus, I was so upset. I was working with a theater here because I love theater too. And I was doing their plays. I was doing all their costume design. I was doing all of their plays. So I was a costume designer for all of that. And um, But I usually told stories through color. Mm -hmm. So if you know color and you read color pretty well, you can follow the storyline when you're looking at a color land. So that's colorscape. So it's really different when like you're a serial entrepreneur because I feel like we're serial entrepreneurs, but there's all like a common thread and you only get that common thread when mm -hmm. you do a lot of stuff and you flush all your ideas out. Gotcha. That makes sense. I love the fact that you're, so it's, it doesn't matter what the color is for. Like it could be, is it just in apparel or is it like in hair and other stuff too? Is it just a uh, fashion base? It's just so with that, it's more so um, like colorway. So it's it's fashion based, and but it's more like with branding. Gotcha. With like how to create a color like, story. <laughs> yeah. And yes. how it like shows how a different create, mood. Okay. Exactly. And what oh, this actually that. looks like. Because it's, it's really important. Like it's really important. It's like one of those side things. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Like one of those small details that nobody like thinks about. Mm-hmm. But when we look at stuff and we read stuff, we definitely recolor before we read anything else. Absolutely. Really yeah. <laughs> one, one of our requirements for when you start, like when you, you book an appointment with us, is like you have to have your color story already together, like and with your sketches mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And if you don't, you have to book like a different session that's like more expensive. But we do break that down and tell them, like, you know, when it comes to seasons and stuff like that, like, definitely so i have another segment and uh this segment is called it's a success or it's a disaster um and this segment is actually brought to you by kara kinks is a hair rejuvenation oil that helps promote healthy hair growth decrease split ends and breakage the aroma is divine and it makes your scalp shine so make your scalp shine so make sure you guys definitely check out kara kinks here's the bottle it's amazing i use it every night um so basically this uh segment is for you telling me about a time in your business where something went completely to shit, like to a mess, but you learned something from the situation that made you a better business owner. Ooh, girl, <laughs> I made so many mistakes. Oh my gosh. Ooh, I made so many mistakes because I'm the type of person where I just do stuff. Like I just like people always ask me what you do. I like, girl, I just do it. Like I'm, I'm literally taking this stuff a day at a time. Are you a Capricorn? Figuring out. Uh, no, girl. So I have a Capricorn moon. I'm really a Libra, but I have okay. a Capricorn moon. Gotcha. I was like, <laughs> that sound like, yeah, sound like me, girl. That was. Okay. <laughs> I was gonna ask you that. I was like, I want to know what her sign is. So bad. No, but like, if you like look in the charts, I have a lot of Earth sign in me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm a Libra. Uh, so yeah, I just do stuff. like it. Just so I have made plenty of mistakes, and I've just looked at them and be like, okay, girl, whatever. Um, I think. Oh, I'm trying to think. I don't, I think the worst mistake, okay, I think the worst mistake I ever made. And, okay, I got I got one. I got one. I didn't make so many. I got one. Yeah, she said I found the one. Um, I found one. So I was tailoring a commercial for North Carolina. I forgot where it was. I was tailoring a commercial. And, if you go on set and you like understand time with them, you don't have any, like you have none. So the fitting is right before you're shooting and then you want me to remake stuff and I have to do all this extra stuff. So, so you're usually on like a really big time crunch, right? So I stayed up. So we went the first, the second day we had a fitting and they wanted to make all these changes. I'm like, all right, that's a jumpsuit. I can, I can make these changes. He was like a superhero costume. I had to do that. So I was like, okay, that's fine. Made everything from scratch. And they're like, you have to make all these changes. So I think we left the fitting at noon. So from noon to maybe about mm, three o'clock in the morning, I did nothing but work. I was mm-hmm. doing nothing but working. I was like, I was sewing, I was up, I was running, I was doing all of this extra stuff. And then um, I accidentally fell asleep at my sewing table. Mm. and I was late for the shoot the next day so I think the shoot you had I, call time was 7 o'clock I woke up at 7.30 the actors got there at 8 o'clock so everybody's calling me mind you my phone's not disturbed because I was working so everybody's calling me and everybody's calling me and I'm like oh shit so then I grab all the stuff I run there and I get there and everything works out at the end of the day and the only reason I feel like that was my mistake is because the one thing that I learned from that is that as a creator, you still have to pay attention to your body. 
Like you still sure. have to pay attention to what your body is telling you. And if you need to sleep, you need to rearrange some sleep somewhere. Like you need, even if it's just like 20 minutes or it's like 30 minutes, you need to be able to listen to your body and understand what your body is telling you. Because I am also the type of person that I'm not, I'm not really big on mental health. Like I just got big on it just because the world's crazy right now. So you have to do it. But, um, on a regular basis, I'm not really looking into my emotions. Like I have stuff on my mind. I'm trying to get busy. Like I don't got time to deal with that. But when it came to that instance, I looked back and there were so many signs of me being exhausted from the weeks before the days before of doing everything that I was doing. So my, I think, yeah, that's, that's the mistake that I can think of that happened besides all the other mistakes are really just looking at red flags. But I think that's the biggest mistake. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I think sometimes we have a tendency as designers to overextend ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, we do it often. I just, I think it's just because, like, you know, we just, you know, we're, we're people pleasing. We're making products for people and stuff like that. And then we don't always check in with ourselves. That, I'm so glad that you brought that up because that is like where I feel like I had to change myself like so now I have a routine where like I journal in the morning I meditate I pray I work with my crystals so it just keeps me at peace and at balance and I typically try to do this before I look at my emails and then I have this little mantra in my head that I say to myself girl we is making clothes we is not curing cancer (laughs) that's what um, and it helps me advice I ever got on set was that same exact day yeah I was like Blustered, and somebody was like, somebody had tapped me. She said, "Girl, it is what it is." And I was like, "But was I?" She was like, "Some things just are. Let it go." Yeah, and that's and I have to say that to myself often because I'm just like people get so especially with like what I do now, like with us making these clothing lines. Everybody's such in a rush to put it out, and I'm like, "Girl, you're not even finna sell all this shit, so you need to relax." (laughs) Like honestly, like you, yeah, you put out. It's like and especially for me, just being in the business. Like this is your first collection, and that's the bulk of my clientele. The bulk of my clientele are brand new designers. Like this is their first collection. You don't know how Mm -hmm. to sew. You don't know how to pattern make. You can barely Mm -hmm. sketch as it is, and then it's just like you rushing me and rushing our team to put out a product that you might even ready for have you even done your marketing strategy yet do you even know who your customer your target customer is so I find myself because I'm so passionate about design and creation and teaching and stuff like that I find myself getting flustered and you know getting worked up and not sleeping at night because I'm just trying to make these people happy and like now um I went on vacation last week I did like a solo vacay for my birthday I went to St. Lucia for seven days I didn't look at my emails at all all I did was Fun. And it was everything. I did that before last year. I did it in Paris one year. The year before that, I did it in Barbados. I go by myself. Don't talk to me. Leave me alone. I don't want to see no emails from no one. And I just read and I write and just get my head together. So that way, when I'm around and I'm servicing people, because just being an entrepreneur and running a business is just so hard as it is, I'm not going to let these people make me hate what I do. And that's, that's just by me. Facts. Like, if I'm not, like, I'm usually like I'm responding to an email girl no lie I'm always on my I'm always by my phone I respond to emails faster than I respond to text messages and I'll do it in I like 10.5 seconds and now I take a step back from the emails and I don't respond right away I do make sure that I respond in 48 hours but if someone comes across you know how we stand with your um if somebody talks to your staff crazy and I'm that person because all of the young ladies that work for me of course are younger than me they're all you know I ain't gonna say fresh out of design school but they've been out of design school for maybe two 
years, two years plus just like mm-hmm. starting their careers. And the way sometimes people speak to them, it's just like it's just like it's like the that nurturing in me to be like, you better leave them alone and I'll just go yeah. in. Like, you know, I'll refuse service. Like, and I get so upset and I get so mad and they have to tell me, they're like, calm down, don't respond. I'll respond to the person. I'll talk to them because they can get so irate and rude and mean that you can almost, they will make you hate what you do. And I never want to hate it. I never want to hate what I do, but clients and customers can sometimes have the tendency to do that. And it's just mind boggling to me. Like, you don't even know what you're doing. So shut up. <laughs> <laughs> But no, I think that's, uh, first off, that's first facts. But um, because once you start paying attention to stuff like that, you understand, like, your key triggers. Mm-hmm. So I'm also really big on self-awareness. So I try to make sure that I'm very aware of myself. Yes. So as soon as I understand that I can't operate frustrated, mm-hmm. so my, like, I can't operate frustrated. I have to be at peace. Mm-hmm. Or I can be stressed out, but I can't operate frustrated. I can't be flustered and work well. So as mm-hmm. soon as I understood that, there was there, now there are certain situations that I just won't put myself in. Because yeah. I love what I do. And like you said, you're not going to make me hate anything that I do. Like, right. You're not going to make me hate it. We're not going to do that. No, so, yeah, there's just as soon as you start to like that, I, as soon as that's why I learned from that mistake so much. Because as soon as you start to do that, because I don't. So I just started to journal. I just started. Because to be honest with you, I thought all of it was nonsense. Like, I'm not going to lie. I, I Like, I compartmentalize my emotions so much that I'm just like, girl, it does not matter. I promise you I'd be okay. Mm-hmm. Until I wasn't. And I was like, oh, no, you have to do this work. Okay. Oh, Lord. I got to do this mental work, too. I'm like, okay, well, that's fun, too. So, no, I completely, completely agree with you, especially when people talking to you crazy. I had mm-hmm. one experience where I was working, I did, I did a shoot for a modeling agency down here, Ursula Whitman's Models. I will, anytime somebody always asks me about my worst experience, I always tell them them and I always let them know I should go there. Just because they were one of those, they were one of those white spaces that are really good on the outside, but on the inside, they are not. Mm-hmm. And when you're dealing with them on the inside, like when I say nasty, they were nasty. And it got to a point where in the back of my mind, I was like, do we need to have a conversation face to face? Right. Because I, I need you to keep this energy to me in my face. I was like, because they, they were nasty, nasty women. And it was just different because I was like, okay, well, I had heard all of these good things. And then when I'm actually dealing with the person that owns the whole company, like your name is on the, the door. And you're being nasty too. I was like, oh yeah, no, I'm good on this whole thing. This is the bridge that I'm definitely okay burning. Yeah. I'm definitely okay not messing with you no more. Yeah. But yeah. And I find that, um, and I and I, I put up quotes every day um, on the LC Apparel Consulting page, and the quotes are they like a mixture between like business and like also like um, just like I guess like motivation. So I tell the mm-hmm. designers, and I'm just like, oh yeah, like don't worry about. Um, burning bridges sometimes because sometimes every relationship is not meant to be and customer service yeah. goes to me customer uh loyalty and customer service and customer it goes both ways and my biggest uh example is honestly uber and lyft because they rate you and you rate them it goes both directions yeah. like so it's not just you can say like uh oh, i have bad customer service or blah 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 like you have to be a good customer you have to be a good yeah. client so i tell them all the time they're like well i don't want to burn it's okay Every business relationship is not meant to be. And it's okay to cut ties and move forward applicably. <laughs> and that's yeah. it. So I, sometimes it's, it's meant to just learn from the situation. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes 
Uh, I'm I'm a spiritual person somewhat, but sometimes like God puts you in situations where you need like you need to learn this experience, like you need to learn this lesson, and you need to move on, you need to move better, and that's just the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's absolutely got to. Yeah. So my last segment is actually called It's a Muse. Um, and It's a Muse is actually brought to you by our last sponsor, which is Toby Solutions. Toby Solutions is a um uh like if you're a person that like loves Instagram and wishes to make a profit on social media, whether you're already an influencer or thinking about becoming one, you need to check out Toby Solutions. They take influencer marketing to the next level. They're media insight services, they know numbers. So definitely make sure you guys check out the show notes and then click the link and definitely get 50% off your first month of social media insights by using code black and fashion. So the it's a muse segment is basically for you to just share something that inspires you and motivates you or has helped you, you know, in healing or traumatizing or in business. Um, It doesn't matter that has moved you forward, whether it be a certain book a mantra that you give, maybe a crystal if you're into like crystal healing, um, anything, if it's uh, a meditation that you do or a ritual, anything that helps you just, you know, just keep moving forward. Um, I guess. Oh, okay. So the first thing I'll say the first thing that comes to my mind, I'm not going to think that hard about it. Um, one thing that really uh, motivates me the most is when uh, a long time ago, somebody told me, that other people are depending on my journey Mm -hmm. and I was like huh and they were like yeah like so I feel like one of my main purposes in general is to inspire people Mm -hmm. so when somebody told me that like it really rung off in my ears and I'm like okay so it just made me think that so it's and it may not be as big as I think it is but I truly feel like if I don't do what I need to do Somebody else can't do what they need to do. Mm-hmm. But I, I like, like I feel like I'm like a, um, I feel like my role is like a chain reaction to something. Mm-hmm. So whether it be the person that I hire years from now or whatever, but usually what honestly keeps me going is the thought that somebody else is depending on me waking up and doing what I need to do. That's not like a kid or anything like that, but like somebody is actually depending on me to start black fashion to start whatever i want to start in order for them to do what they need to do in order for them to start what they need to start wow oh my god karina we're so much alike (laughs) 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 definitely i literally because i was telling you those quotes that i put up every morning people write on Mm -hmm. them every day like they get like you know, three and 400 likes. And they're like, I needed to hear this this morning. Thank you for posting this. Like this journey that's, and watching yeah, me okay. on my journey has helped me. Like I've gotten so many like heartfelt messages from people, uh, mostly from the LC page and from the Black and Fashion podcast that people are just like, I'm in awe about like just the growth and what I've seen and stuff like that. So, yeah. That's the thing. Like that's, mm-hmm. I like that feedback. Um, it's so when people get like I compare it to like when people get awards and stuff. When people get awards and they say, "Oh, I'm so humbled." I never really understand it. I'm like, "How can you be humbled? You should be like full of yourself right now." But <laughs> I kind of get it when people like tell me certain things about what I've done, mm-hmm. and I'm like, "Girl, I'm not doing nothing." I'm like, what you talking right, about? Right, right. Like it's always I'm like, like I'm not. 
it's always like an awe. I don't know. Like it's, it, I guess it's still like surreal for us. And that's, that's us being yeah. humble. Like it's still surreal. It's just like, all I'm doing is what I love. And that's really it. Yeah. Like I'm just doing what I love. And it just so happened that it inspires and motivates so many other people. Like right now I'm writing my book. It's called a life designed. Um, it's like, mm. and it's a life design is like one woman's journey to finding like her most, you know, you know, most, it, wait, what did I put on there? Girl, I forget. <laughs> but I have it on my page. I was just like, one woman. Why don't I know that? Because I'm still working on it. That's why. But I like got the cover and everything like that shot for the book. But um, as I was writing, I was like, damn, this might actually, you know, be very beneficial. It's like one woman's journey to creating her most expressive life. And I have like black and fashion mm. across the front. Um, but it's a I'm writing it right now. And then like I had posted it um, and then it had like over 100 comments of people like I cannot wait to read this. Like you're so inspiring. Oh, you're yeah, so motivating. Yeah. Like uh, I can't wait to grab my copy because it was actually supposed to come out last year. But I just wasn't ready. And I'm still editing things and things, you know, being yeah, a full time entrepreneurship. Yeah, and I'm like, even just growing with into the full entrepreneurship, I've suffered like those growing pains, you know, and having yeah. a team and having to fire people, but also just like growing so fast, even in the middle of a freaking pandemic. Like, it's yeah, crazy. That's so, crazy. I've been grown. My, um, like, grew, like, my fabric company has blasted because when the pandemic happened, I created like sew it box, sew it kit boxes. Mm -hmm. So essentially, I do private video lessons. So I record it. I do all that stuff. And in the, in the box, you get the pattern and the fabric, and you get the private lesson. Oh, wow. So I love that. You can learn how to sew, and it's just like a one on one type of thing. And it's really like escalated and really shot. Cause, like, one thing about coronavirus, I've, um, one thing that coronavirus has taught me, like in general, with everything I do, because I started writing about fashion too, is that I always wanted to make sure that I positioned myself in an essential way. So mm -hmm. wherever I started, it was essential for that thing. So for example, I have a fabric store. Uh, you need fabric to do anything you need to do. Like, exactly. I, you're not going to get rid of me. Like I'm going to be a key part in everybody's lives. But yeah, I have a question for you though. Yeah. How... Um, how do you balance everything? Uh, uh, girl, I got a really elite planner. <laughs> mm. Because what I do is, um, well, I only do the episodes on Wednesdays. Um, I only teach on the weekends and in the evenings. I run LC Apparel Consultant Monday through Friday, 10 to 6 o'clock. But I have, I mean, when I was by myself, it was different. But now that I have a full staff, I do have mm -hmm. two managers um, that, you know, really do can run the office without me because, like I told you, I spend a lot of time in Atlanta. We have a lot of clients there. So I'm in Atlanta office. I'm in Dallas often. I'm always traveling, mm -hmm. you know, because of the bulk of our clientele are people who are not in New York and don't have the New York resources when it comes to product development and manufacturing. So I just have really good team members. But, I mean, of course, I'm overwhelmed because I'm a business owner. I don't have an accountant. I don't have, um, I have, I made them responsible for some parts of social media. So I just started delegating a little bit more. But for myself, like, I literally work around the clock, but I, I make sure that I go with my butt to bed at least by midnight and then I get up at like 7.45. I do that ritual I was telling you about. And I just okay. like, I, I plan my day, my week on Sunday. 
And I okay. pretty much try to stick to that. So, I mean, of course, sometimes a monkey wrench gets thrown in there, but I pretty much stick to my plan. So on Sundays, it can it pretty much sets the tone for how my week going to roll. And I analyze everything that needs to be done. And then I set certain days for certain things. Like, this is going to get done on this day. Like, I do my accounting meetings and my team meeting every Monday. My accounting meeting is at 12. My team meeting is at 11. So I just schedule everything accordingly. Um, I don't take I don't take appointments after a certain time because now it's time for classes. And then to work on my own brand, I do that in the mornings or in the evenings on the weekend because I flip-flop. If I'm teaching in the morning, I work on my brand in the evenings. Or I'll work on my brand in the morning and then I'll teach in the evenings. Okay, that sounds Yeah, so good. it's just, it's just really, because... I just be scheduling the heck out some sh- out some shit, to be honest. Like, <laughs> uh, that, that makes, I've, I've always, I've always been curious as how, like, everybody, like, keeps it together. Because I just started, I used to have days where I did certain stuff. So this day is Black Fast, this day is Fibers, this day is this, this day is that. Mm-hmm. But, um, this year I started what you just said and more so doing, like, so Fibers. I had to think of it as, um, it, it was really weird, but I do want to share this. I had to think of it as, um, for all the other serial entrepreneurs out there, I had to think of it as, like, what's my job? What is going to make me the most money today? Like, mm-hmm. what is what can I go to bed with? And I'd be like, you know what? Okay, I made some money today. And it was my fabric store. I'm like, this is what's booming. Let me focus on this on the weekday. And then on the weekends, I'll do... Um, yeah. Or in between the time, I'll do this and I'll do that and I'll do this. But this is the segment that's truly growing the most. And this is what I'm okay with having as like a job and like a CEO type of situation. This is what I'm okay with dealing other people to and being like, you go do this and this and the third. So it wasn't until like January when I started to think like that. I mm-hmm. got it together, and that's kind of like what you were saying when you said that. I was like, okay, okay. I, I'm just always curious because everybody juggles. Yeah, everything. that's how. Like whatever the money maker is, like clearly LC Apparel Consultant makes the most money. But it's like I. Yeah. Be, but that's the to me though. Like so because from as you say, we take payment plans. And a lot of times, like, you know, things happen, especially what's just going on, and people don't pay on time. And my payroll every two weeks for all these employees is working their ass off is like 10th grand. So it has to be 10 mm-hmm. grand in our business account every two weeks. And usually I'll be up to the wire with not with no money in these accounts. But by the grace of God, I have never been able, I have never had to say, hey, y'all, I can't make payroll this week or your check is going to have to wait. By the grace of God, the money mm-hmm. always comes through. Like um, somebody always make a late payment or somebody come out of nowhere but it, that's the part that is like very stressful for me and with planning because I try to plan so far ahead but I still like if people don't make their payments and people don't you know um follow up with us or they leave their projects behind us just like yo but this is my payroll these people work every day you know I got yeah. I have full time I don't have part-time employees I got full-time employees <laughs> you know and they cut in and sewing and fabric sourcing and making yeah. patterns, trying to make yeah, your dreams come true and then like you, they don't pay but I get it because of what's going on but that even with the utmost planning, you just never know, you know, like you just exactly. never know. And, that, and that's why I try to be strategic and planning, especially when it comes to money. I'm like, OK, can we wait on this? But like then if a, one of the sewing machines go down, but then I got to pay for that or we don't have supplies or we got to buy this fabric or because we include fit samples in our packages. So it's always something. So even with the utmost planning, I still get like monkey wrenches thrown in my shit all the time. But I just, you know, adapt and figure it out because I would love mm-hmm. to have like 
you know, grants and like loans and stuff like that. But unfortunately, I haven't technically been in business for a year yet. So it's been really hard for me to even get those things. So this is literally like us just working and getting money. Like I hopefully next year we'll be able to take advantage of like grant and loan money, which will help even more with planning. But right now, girl, mm-hmm. I'm just like you. I just be doing shit and flying by the seat of my pants. Like, <laughs> I just be doing stuff. I just be doing it work out though. Like I just be doing I just go for it. Mm -hmm. I go for it and it works out. I trust my gut. The key to all of this is having like confidence in yourself. Mm -hmm. That's literally the key. Because as soon as you just fly because I'll just do stuff. Well I was working with somebody one time and we were making a custom piece and I was just like I asked them she was older than me I was like have you ever like thrown away something and she had looked at me. She said, no, girl, I touched it. It's always going to work out. I said, you know what? You're right, girl. Let me Facts. You. You, are, Facts. you are correct. You, you are know, absolutely I didn't touch right. This. <laughs> it's going to work out. You are so correct. Let me have a little bit more faith. Yeah. You, are, you are very correct. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much, Karina, for joining me today. I really, really appreciate it. Um, this episode will actually come out next week. Um, thank okay. you so much for us. Uh, we need to talk because we probably need to collaborate on some other stuff, too. <laughs> Yes, please. Yes, I got your number now, so we can definitely keep in contact. I actually followed you on our LC Apparel Consulting page as well, so definitely check it yes. out. You know, anytime you're in um, Atlanta, we can go get uh, lunch or something. Yes, and drinks. Yes, please. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, Thank you so much. It was great talking to you. Thank you. It was great talking to you too. All right, have a good one. And as I always Peace say, out. stay black. Peace out. You know I will. Bye. <laughs>